and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebi Salazar for episode 295. And much like halftime in Liga Mekis, you never quite know, Herc, what you're going to get in this show. There is no halftime show like a Liga MX halftime show. El Estadio Jalisco, historic for so many different reasons. If you know, you know. Also, Big Cola, you've seen them around there. If you know, you know. That's right. That was the uh, Atlas Mazatlan game. There was a very late goal in that game, Herc, that made a lot of people very happy. Oh, don't tell me you very bet on happy. that game. <laughs> hey, if you're not slamming Friday night, Liga Mekis overs, are you really living? That's, that's a question uh, perhaps for another show. Aldo Rocha just got three games for, uh, for that, for that uh, send-off and then talking. The red card stuff. at yes. the end, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who knew we would start the show with such an uh, Atlas Mazatlan breakdown. Anyway, coming up uh, in this edition of Football Americas, we're going to hear from Jeff Kasuf. going to talk about the opening weekend in the NWSL playoffs. We have multiple concerning developments, Herc, when it comes to El Tri. We got to talk about MLS Decision Day, all the drama there. And we're saying goodbye to not your beloved, my beloved, mm. and Diego Loyal as the uh, USL playoffs turn off. But let's start in Europe with the big game in Syria between AC Milan and Juventus. Of course, this one at the San Siro, over 70,000 in attendance. And most importantly, four Americans between these two starting lineups. Seven minutes in. Tim Way are going to get involved. His shot hits Weston McKinney right in the chest. Get out of the way! Actually, probably would have hit another player. Probably would have hit like maybe two or three different players. Oh no, that was going up for 90, babe. You got to believe in Tim Way. 14 minutes in. Now it's Milan attacking. Giroud with the shot. Polisic right there. Oh, this is a sexy touch by Giroud. And then a good shot. Ridiculous little save there. Polisic just couldn't get on the end. All right, so you wondered kind of when the first confrontation would be. Here it was, 16th minute, Tim Way and Yunus Musa going shoulder to shoulder. Little U.S. men's national and U.S. men's in crime. 37th minute, Christian Pulisic with a header, well off the mark. Yeah, Rafa Leao, he looks for Christian Pulisic a lot. Obviously not where you want to look for him there, but getting involved. Three minutes after that, the game would turn dramatically. Moise Keane in here gets behind and Malik Tiao just rips him down. That is a straight red, he gone. AC Milan down to 10 men. Yeah, just a boneheaded play. You can't let him spin you. And then, oh no, sacrificial lamb here. Pioli takes out Pulisic, puts in another defender or another defensive player, I should say. He's not happy. So it would stay scoreless into the second half, 63rd minute. Juventus gets their breakthrough. Manuel Locatelli with the, we're calling it an assist from Tim Weah, yes. It's an assist from Tim Weah from deep. Watch this, it's gonna hit Rangers right there on the thigh. Beats his goalkeeper. That would be game blouses. Uh, Weah subbed off just uh, in the 84th minute as Juventus see out the one nothing win that moves them into third. One point back in second place, Milan. Two points back of your League leaders enter. Americans abroad, boy, it never meant so much for US MNTers starting at San Siro in a club game this big. Herc, what do you suppose the significance of this is to American soccer? There is a significance, right? Because you've never had as many Americans, four, two on each side, playing in such a high profile game. With all due respect to the graphic we just saw, the Fulhams, the Leeds, that type of team, which should be respected, but never of the magnitude of a Juve versus Milan, uh, of prominent players, prominent starters for the U.S. men's national team. So it should be celebrated. Absolutely. It's a monumental moment. But there's a part of me that thinks this monumental moment has been given to us very good players, these U.S. men's national team players, but because of what Serie A is today. It's not exactly the Serie A of the 90s or, or the early 2000s, if you will. Like You watched the Champions League last like year? I'm did you wearing... see how Serie A did in the Champions League? Yeah, yeah. I saw how Serie A did in the Champions League. I did. Who won the Champions League? Who has, who has, where's the, who's the best Talk to me about the, the semifinals. Talk to me about the, all the Italian influence there. You're saying Serie A's down, and that's why the Americans are starting here. I'm telling you, this Serie A isn't the Serie A of the 90s when you had Ronaldo, when you had Del Piero, when you had Batistuta, when you had Samorano, when you had all these. When they were wearing that pink shirt you got on. This beautiful pink Del Piero shirt that I have on. I am a lover of 90s Italian football. 
But you look at where they are today financially, and I believe it was Front Office Sports that actually put out an article today about Milan being profitable for the first time in 17 years mm. and how their counterparts, excuse me, Juventus and Inter Milan aren't profitable. It's a reality of where we are in today's market. Maybe the Premier League is the only profitable league in the world. Maybe these top clubs that we once held in such regard are just that in name. There are some very good players in Serie A, but certainly you cannot compare them to the likes of Italian football in the 90s, where I would think that if it were comparable today, you wouldn't see four U.S. men's national team players in such a high-profile game. And that's where I'm going with that. All right. I, I would think that this is kind of the, the best proof you could have of this golden generation, right? That the expectations that we've been talking about for a long time are starting to be fulfilled. And if I'm a U.S. fan, the, the thing that stands out here is it's not one guy. It is four guys in a game this big. That's unprecedented, Herc, for American soccer. It's unprecedented for this region. Oh, I don't know it's about It's unprecedented. That. No, there has never been a country in this region that has produced this much talent. If you want no, to talk no, about no, Mexico no, no. with a player of no, no, Hugo no, Sanchez right. or Rafa no, Marquez, no. you got great individuals, stop, stop, stop. but you don't you're have right. depth like you're this. You're right, but I was talking in game because I thought about this. Would this game be comparable? Like what other CONCACAF you know, nation could compare that they've had a game of this magnitude and it's the Champions League final Barcelona versus Manchester hey. United when you have Rafa Marquez and Chicharito, but those are two players, one on each side, right? But that would be the end all to to this conversation if you will but there's four on this side and there are four quality players yes uh correct me if i'm wrong i believe chicharito's champions league final was after rafa marquez had left barcelona we will uh, we'll check that here um but to me but to me the point stands like if you're an american hmm, soccer been, fan then. you have reached you have reached a different level right this is the level of if you want to take the the blue bloods of world cup soccer right the, the teams that have won a world cup and you and you put them to the side you're talking about countries like Croatia, Netherlands, Belgium that produce this much talent and place them in the biggest leagues in the world. If the United States is doing that, then they're in another category. They're not in the elite, but they are in, at least from a talent perspective, her, the type of country that could aspire to make a run to a semifinal or a final of a major tournament. Because this is the type of talent that you need to compete in those major tournaments. Not only has the United States, Herc, never had this before. No one in this region has been close to having it. And that, I think, is the importance, especially if you think about what's happening right now in this region. If you're Canada, if you're Mexico, if you're anybody else in CONCACAF, you are definitely, from a talent pool standpoint, looking way up, way up at American soccer. I don't, dis I don't disagree with that. I don't think about way up, but you're definitely looking up. Um... You mentioned some of those countries. I mean, Korea's had some of those players and some of playing some of the best leagues in the world, some of the best teams in the world, and you wouldn't necessarily call them a power. Japan. Oh, they got to a semifinal, though. They got to no, a semifinal, sure. South Korea. Sure, sure, so did the U.S., okay? Know your history. So okay, did the U.S. 1930, what, what do you want? Know your history. You corrected me on that. I may be wrong on the championship. Hey, how remember. important was this game? <laughs> uh, Herc, our good friend Greg Berhalter was there. That's how important it was. You know, when the national team manager shows up, that's a big deal, well, right? Well, that's what he should be doing. And listen, I, I watched his interview. He's going to be touring and, and, and doing some other things, tying up loose ends. So it's good. Mm -hmm. Check up on your players. And I'm not... I'm not going to make less of, of this achievement for American soccer. We saw the mm -hmm. graphic of where American soccer was in terms of big games that Americans have played against each other. And with all due respect to the Fulhams and the Leeds of the, of the world, certainly not a brand like Milan, certainly not a brand like Juventus. Those are world-renowned brands. So, yes, uh, absolutely there should be a lot of optimism for where this program is. I mentioned Burhalter was in attendance. I don't know if you saw the U.S. men's national team Twitter account. They posted about Greg Burhalter being there. Uh, check comments. Just just read the comments, Herc. You'll get a good laugh out of it. If, if the Federation was thinking people would forget why they didn't like Greg Berhalter, I think the comments there would suggest uh, they certainly have You didn't not. like the interview? Um, hey, no, I, I always like a good uh, Greg Berhalter chat. In fact, I'd love to get him on this show as we've had him uh, in the past. That would be wonderful. If there was a moment of frustration for American fans in this game, beyond maybe some who were upset to see Greg Berhalter on their television screens, it was definitely Christian Pulisic coming off uh, in the 43rd minute. Aside from sacrificial hurt, give me one word to describe seeing Christian Pulisic come out in such a big moment, in such a big game. Okay, I, I tried to approach this from like a very level-headed 
in a very level-headed type of way. Not the show. Have you ever watched a show before? What are you doing? <laughs> I'll try to change. Uh, so I would go with hierarchy. Because I'm thinking to myself, if I was Pioli, if I was a coach of Milan, and this happened to me, if, if I come down a, a man off and, and I got to take one of my three attackers, because as a coach, you don't want to lose structural discipline. You don't want to lose defensive stability. So I would take out one of the three attackers. You're not going to take out Rafa Lau, who's arguably... Serie A's most talented player, certainly the face of Milan today. You're not going to take out Giroud, who is a big post-up, hold-up player that you can dump into if you need a breather. Uh, the man is versatile. He is impactful on both uh, offensive and defensive set pieces, can maybe offer you something. Hell, he played goalkeeper last week, so you know, he does a little bit of everything. Maybe on the bottom of that totem pole, you see Christian Pulisic and you're like, yeah, I can take out Christian Pulisic because not only if I take him out, will it will I not lose speed because I still have a lot. Will I lose a little bit of leadership or a little bit of that hold up play because I still have uh, Giroud? But I'm not going to create a stinker in the locker room. He's not going to come out and kill me for it. He's not going to make a big mess of things. Uh, and you know what? Listen, Kalulu comes in for Christian Pulisic. Christian Pulisic had 26 touches in a little bit over 40 minutes, right? Kalulu mm -hmm. comes in, and in his second half cameo and change, had something like 45 touches. So, you know, it, it really was the only move he could do in his head. I don't have an issue with it, but you could see the frustration on Christian yeah. Pulisic's face. For sure. I don't want to do the uh, whole let's read body language, but you saw him come off. And, and even if he's not mad at the manager, even if, to your point, he kind of understands it. Yeah. You could still you could still get it from the player's perspective. To be the guy that gets sacrificed in that game, it's just devastating. I actually probably should have used the word devastating. I'm going with disappointing. And not just because I had Christian Pulisic anytime goal scorer, okay? But I was definitely <laughs> bitter uh, when he gets subbed off here. That, that wasn't good. I mean, he's the guy, Herc. He's the guy. As an American fan, as much as you love Weston McKinney or, or Tim Way or Eunice Musa, the guy you've been following and the guy who you wanted to see perform in these type of games is Christian Pulisic. And he also has, Herc, we know, a pretty good big game reputation dating back to his time in the Premier League. And I think certainly he's shown that with the U.S. men's national team, uh, especially at the World Cup. I think that's some of the best that we've seen from Christian Pulisic. What better way to make yourself a fan favorite with a new club than a big game performance against Juventus in a match like this? So I think it was a, a huge opportunity loss. And Herc, it sounds like you don't think Milan missed him that much. I wonder if Pioli might have had some regret, especially once Locatelli gets the goal. I mean, this Milan team basically did nothing. They what one shot on goal the yeah. whole game. They, they could have used Pulisic, I felt like. Yeah, they could have used some speed. And listen, out of the three attackers, he still had the lowest uh, expected goals. It was point. It was point zero four compared to point zero seven for Giroud and point one three for Rafa Lau. That that means nothing in a game. But uh, if I'm trying to go into Pioli's mind during the game when he was actually playing, he was somewhat involved. But certainly the two most important chances came off of Lau and Oliver Giroud. So I could see maybe in his psyche for a lot of different reasons why Pioli would go with Christian Pulisic out. Well, if nothing else, he will be well-rested for the Champions League, which, of course, we know uh, continues this week. AC Milan against PSG on Wednesday. All right, let's keep the uh, good times rolling here on Football Americas with a little run-it-back action, shall we? We'll uh, start with the Premier League. Uh, this is earlier today. Tottenham taking on Fulham's first playing for the top spot in the Premier League table. And Tim Ream at fault here. Her Quítate! Come on, son! That one's for Tim Ream. Uh, 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 gets uh, caught cement feet there. And then, you know, Sun's going to do you in like that. It's a good finish. Exactly. If you're going to beat by and get beat by anybody, I mean, you know, it's about as good a guy as there is to get beat by. What about Nierdeviz? Feyenoord won 4-0 over Vitesse on Saturday. The good news, Herc, Santiago Jimenez scored in his eighth straight game and also registered an assist. I mean, that's 13 goals in eight games for this man. Like, he just can't stop. With the right foot, he's a left-footed player, but look at the speed. This is what he does best. Great movement, the acceleration here, give and go. He knows exactly where he wants it, and just delicate of finishes. 13 goals, three assists so far for Santiago Jimenez in the Dutch League season. That was the good news. The uh, bad news came a little bit later in the game, Herc. Jimenez had to leave in the 68th minute due to injury. What's crazy here is the defender that tackled him actually warned about this before the game. He said, our game plan is to kick Santiago. He literally did it. 
Yeah, it's that follow through with the left leg that catches Santiago Jimenez. This is worrisome for a lot of reasons. He's a left-footed player. That's a striking foot. It's in the middle of a very impressive run. You hate to see him go out with injury, especially with Champions League coming up. So 13 league goals for Santiago Jimenez. But if we think about his last four international appearances with Mexico since the summer, they've all been friendlies. You got zero goals, Hurt. How in the world do we explain that? This angers me so much that you would even ask. Like, I feel like every time we talk, look, don't, don't, don't do that face. When don't you do it. Don't you don't do you, it. Don't you do that. Like, me? Me? I mean, what do you expect from the guy? It's easier to score when you're on the field, right? Mm -hmm. It's easier to score when you have more minutes, correct? Well, why should we be surprised that Santi Jimenez has started three games okay. for Jimmy Lozano and can't score as much? Where with Feyenoord, he's got better talent around him. And he's playing every four days, and he's got more opportunities to score. Of course it's going to happen. Say what you will about the defending in, 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 in the Netherlands, okay? Just as bad as CONCACAF, so it should be no different, okay? He's playing. He's getting an opportunity, and he feels important. I've got my doubts about how he feels when he's in the Mexican national That's team. Like there's is. somebody always looking over, like he's always looking over his shoulder at somebody breathing down his neck. Whether it's Santi, or excuse me, whether it's Henry Martin, or whether it's Raul Jimenez, both who you can't compare to Santi Jimenez today. And then tomorrow, guess who it will be? It will be Julian Quinones come November. I've got my doubts of how they're managing Santi Jimenez on the national team level. Not a Feyenoord, they've made him the man, and it's been, it's been known, you're the man, do your thing here, and that's why the numbers are there. Yeah. For me, it's confidence, Herc, and, and it's very much the eyeball test, right? He looks a different player with Mexico than he does when he's playing in club, and I would compare it to a driver who's got kind of white knuckle syndrome, right? He's holding onto that steering wheel, um, or, or a golfer who's really got a, producer Beto love this, a, a tight grip on the putter. Like, sometimes you just gotta loosen up a little bit. Uh, and I think that confidence, Herc, is not just down to the player, but to what you point out is kind of what's around him, and specifically the, the confidence given to him by the manager. Arna Slot has, has nonstop, even when he was bringing him off the bench, said the right things about Santiago Jimenez, kept him in check when maybe the hype train around him was getting out of control. I think it's a manager who has worked the player perfectly, played him like a violin, has him doing exactly what he wants, and that confidence is what leads to what we're seeing in terms of his goal scoring right now with club. My concern as a fan would be that he will turn into one of those players who is a club legend, but a national team dud. Now, I think Santiago Jimenez will grow out of that. Maybe, Herc, with the next club that he goes to, I don't know if you saw his socials this week, he was definitely uh, seemingly hinting uh, at his next stop. Do you think this is something that he will grow out of, or do you think there's a chance that this could be something that maybe hangs around Santiago Jimenez with the national team? I would hate for that big club he's joining to be the Kings League, if that's what you're referring to. Uh, oh, is that is that the big scoop? He's going to have a Kings League team now. Oh, wow. I, I don't know. I don't know. All I'm saying is Santiago Jimenez has proven at his Va early age his grandes. Well, well. <laughs> um, you mentioned the coach. I will mention Robin Van Persie. He's got mm. people and his father. I will mention Santiago Jimenez, Robin Van Persie. He's got people in his camp, in his orbit, that are steering him in the right direction. When he goes and plays for Mexico, I don't care what you think Mexico is today. Honestly, a lot of that is, is masking over the cracks, papering over those cracks because of who they played against mm. in Gold Cup or Germany's moment or, or a great game that was just Germany. And we forget about the window versus Australia and Uzbekistan. We forget about the problems of not developing players. We forget the problems of, of leaving Santiago Jimenez out of the World Cup. We forget about all these different things and everything is great in the world. And now the problem is Santiago Jimenez. You have a player who is young, who is hungry, and is proving to do the right things at the greatest of levels, whether you think Eredivisie is good or not, Europa League good or not, whatever the case may be, at a higher level proving his worth. And here, here, at this level, the contract level, we put every excuse in the book mm. of why he's not performing or why he can't perform. And I don't understand it. Yeah. You talk about the talent around him being better with Feyenoord. Maybe that's up for debate. What is not up for debate is the chemistry that he has with that talent. And that probably takes us back to your original point, which is, more minutes for Santi with the Mexican national team 
and then eventually we're going to see Seth, uh, his best Seth, level. He doesn't do well for Feyenoord. He's got another game in four days. You don't do well for the Mexican national team. you got to wait two months. Mm-hmm. And you got Football Picante hammering you for those two months, nonstop. Uh, all right, let's continue to run it back uh, with some more L3 action in Europe. We'll go to the Premier League. Checking in on Edson Alvarez, who had not a great day. He concedes a penalty, uh, but did get an assist as West Ham lost 4-1 to one against Aston oh, Villa. but he got an assist. That's good. Listen, you don't need to make a foul. You don't need to go in like this. You don't need to dive in. You got a defender. You got your own player helping you out right there. Oh, unfortunate. Uh, Leon Bailey of Jamaica with a goal in this game for Villa. West Ham dropped to ninth after the defeat. They will play again on Thursday against Olympiacos of Greece uh, in the Europa League. But there it is, uh, Edson Alvarez with an assist after giving up a penalty in West Ham's 4-1 loss. The Mexican midfield to the Mexican goal. Memo Joa benched for benched as Salernitana drew 2-2 against Cagliari over the weekend, Memo, of course, coming off the international break with Mexico, where he started both games against Germany and Ghana. Salernitana with that draw, 19th in Serie A. Been an absolutely brutal season for them, and part of that brutal season means a new coach. That's right, this was the first game under Filippo Inzaghi. What did uh, people have to say about Memo's benching? Well, Memo is an extraordinary goalkeeper. He arrived on Friday after a long trip, and I couldn't evaluate him. I gave him a day off, but with me, hierarchies are eliminated. We'll see next week. Herc, something, nothing, or everything. What do you make of Memo's City Out benching? Um, listen, it's certainly not nothing, right? Because it's Memo Ochoa right now. He's the most scored on goalkeeper in Serie A. Um, it, would be, it would be a little bit more than something. For me, it's something. It would be a little bit more than something if the man who was replacing him, the goalkeeper who was replacing him, was like a 22, 23-year-old kid where you could just say reflex mm -hmm. or you could say, you know, higher upside, give him an opportunity, see what he can do. Maybe the season's already lost. Maybe he can help us turn it around. But it's Benoit Costil, who's a 35-year-old French international. <laughs> I mean, you're splitting hairs with Memo Ochoa there, right? But there is some truth into what Pippo Ansagi is saying about the long transatlantic flight back from international play and how Memo's getting a break. So I'm not too worried. If Friday versus Genoa, Memo's still uh -huh. on the bench, then mm -hmm. I'm worried because when a new coach comes in, Seb, you want to make your mark, you want to make your changes, and nothing screams change than saying, wait a second, my 30-year-old goalkeeper is the most scored-on goalkeeper in the mm -hmm. league. Maybe I'll make a change. Maybe the team will react. And for the first time in over two months, first time in nine games, this team picked up a point. So... Mm. Heads up. First of all, to the 10 guys playing in the field, what the hell? Okay, they scored two <laughs> goals in their last seven games with Memo in goal. He got two goals of run support, to borrow a baseball term, and suddenly Salernitana scores two goals in Pipo and Zaghi's debut when they got another guy in net? Come on. Um, listen, the guy who took over, uh, Costil, he, he played on the French team that was at Euros in 2016, so um, yeah, he's older. He's 36, I think a year younger than Memo. But, I mean, this is a guy who could, you never know, you never know, could come in, maybe give you something. I'm worried. I'm worried. And more in the short term, Hurt. More thinking about Copa America than the World Cup, even though it's probably going to be Memo Cho for both. I think Memo Cho in terms of 2026, like he's a good enough goalie. If things go downhill here at Salernitana, thinking about the World Cup in three years, he'll find a job. He'll find a place to be and be ready for that World Cup. But for the Copa America coming up in 2024, next year, if, if this goes downhill, <clears throat> excuse me, at Salernitana now, you are in really big trouble. And that's a worry for me, for Memo, just for him staying sharp, for what it means for Mexico. But that's also her an indictment of everything else in the Mexican goalkeeping pool. I mean, you look at the guys that were called in in the last window. With all due respect, and remember, I, when I say with all due respect, I can say pretty much anything after that. That's right. um, they're effectively Liga Mekis journeymen. And, and, and we're going to get to the Club America game in a little bit. I don't know if we're going to show the, the goal that Luis Malagón let in. But I don't want that guy anywhere near America's goal right now, let alone L3. So there are no options to replace Memo. And now we've got Memo being benched potentially at Salernitana. This, for me, is way closer to everything than something or nothing here. Uh, oh, I think you're being a bit I'm very dramatic. worried. I think you're I'm being very a, worried. Think you're being All right, a let's bit see what dramatic. happens Friday when it's a, hopefully, hopefully it'll be a Memo Chua versus a Johan Vasquez showdown. This could be a blessing in disguise, showdown. Seb. 
Listen, Carlos Acevedo came back and played for the first time since his yes. shoulder yes. surgery, and he looked damn good. That game could he have did. gotten out of control. Shipped four, shipped four, but looked good. Were any of them his fault? No, they were all golazos by America, baby. They, That's I'm, right. I'm not kidding. I mean, this man was on fire, and and yes. he's been my go-to since I think it's his job to lose, so maybe this is a blessing in disguise. As it pertains to Memo Ochoa, my worry for him is also this Friday. I just mentioned, you coach – you got to make changes. You got to do something to prove that this team is different than when you took over. Yeah, yeah. He, he just made a change in goal, and they got their first point in nine games. So, mm. hmm. all right, let's see. Again, Salernitana in action on Friday against Johan Vasquez's Genoa in Serie A action. Boy, we got a big weekend coming up for you right here on ESPN Plus, and then after that, just a whole week of amazing soccer content. So, PSV Ajax. And Barcelona, Real Madrid, a couple of Clásicos there this Saturday. Then we got the Carabao Cup midweek. You're going to see Liverpool, Man United, Newcastle, West Ham, Arsenal. And then Der Klassiker, the big one in Germany, Dortmund against Bayern Munich. That's Saturday, November 4th. All those games available for you right here on ESPN+. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, Eric, let's talk MLS Decision Day going down on Saturday. We now know who the 18 teams that are into the MLS postseason will be and the 11 squads that are heading home. Of course, the uh, playoffs start on Wednesday with the wild card game. But before we look ahead, let's look back at Decision Day. We got some winners and losers to hand out. Herc, let's start with a, a positive. Why don't we start with your winner from MLS Decision Day 2023? Can I just for a second acknowledge how difficult it is to, to like, I was trying to put in perspective of who plays who, what day, and, and who's the three, game of three series and how's it pertain. And You're saying the schedule is a disaster. Nobody's a, more pissed about the schedule than St. Louis. They got a Sunday night 9 p.m. home game for being the number one seed in the West. You got school the next day. You got work the next day, people. Orlando has a case as well. Uh, people who are watching this are like, well, what, what's what's the need here? What are we doing? That's a, that's a different different thing. But Playoff me, format discussion we'll save for Thursday. Let's talk about some winners. Let's talk about some winners. There is no bigger winner uh, in my – let me see there's a few. But I'm going to go with the Seattle Sounders here. Listen, yeah, Seattle that Sounders, smile could only mean one thing. Yeah, I knew. Yeah. I knew. Listen, the Seattle Sounders started the season in abysmal fashion, right? It was uh, – the Club World Cup didn't go too well for them. And after that, they couldn't defend to save their lives for, like, the first time in, in their history. Actually, since 2016, when, coincidentally, ended up winning uh, MLS Cup, right? Uh, to go unbeaten in their last nine to finish the season. And how do they do it? How did they do it? They went into St. Louis, the best team in the Western Conference, and gave St. Louis a 2-0 loss to Edge LAFC, which in theory only gives them a few more days of rest, but rest they will take. Uh, a, a, a team that not only makes it to postseason as the second best team in the West, but now will face FC Dallas, who they should feel very good about. Why? There's one team that's been kind of that good luck charm for the Seattle Sounders in playoffs. That means good things for them after. It's FC Dallas. Uh, they've played against FC Dallas a few times in the playoffs, knocked them out a few times in the playoffs, and it's led to, guess what, an MLS Cup. So they are my winners in this uh, decision day matter, if you will. If they get past FC Dallas, it might be another showdown with LAFC there in the Western Conference. That could be interesting. You getting any uh, last dance vibes here with Nico Lodero on his way out? Yeah, and it's sad, man, because uh, if there's one player today in Major League Soccer that means 
a before and after in the history of their club is Nico Lodeiro to the, San, to the uh, Seattle Sounders. Uh, I remember the day Nico Lodeiro came in. There is no player more important to Seattle's history than Nico Lodeiro in Major League Soccer, I should say. That's the moment their history changed from being a regular club or a good club, a competent club, to an elite club in Major League Soccer. So for your decision day winner, you were looking a little bit further up the table. I was more focused on the playoff line, right? Who's getting in? And who's falling out kind of on the last day of the season? There were quite a few teams that did the job on decision day. Dallas got a big win. Sporting Kansas City got a big win to get in. San Jose drew, um, so I'm not going to give them too much credit. Well, they got uh, Charlotte FC uh, got a big win in the Eastern Conference as well. But my winner, and this kills me as a lifelong DC United fan, is the New York Red Bulls, who are into the playoffs uh, and I got to do this for a couple reasons. One, the how, okay? Just incredibly dramatic fashion. They're taking on uh, Nashville. 0-0 game into stoppage time. They get a penalty, and it's John Tolkien who takes it. The kid, all right? He's like 21 years old. He's a Red Bull Academy product. Herc, he's a freaking left back. I mean, that is not the guy that I expected to step up there and bury it under such pressure. Uh, he did. So what a great moment for them. And then historically, it's significant as well. Now, 14 straight years into the playoffs. It's the best streak right now in all of Major League Soccer in terms of making the postseason. I don't think New York Red Bulls have a, a chance in hell of doing anything, if, even if they make it past the wild card game, because they'd have to go up against FC Cincinnati. But uh, but credit to the New York Red Bulls. They really made the most of decision. Well, it, it's, the, it's the record right now, longest playoff streak in North American sports over the Celtics, over the uh, Leafs. No, over... don't give me that. Uh, a major North American sports? Are you sure? Okay, what's a major North American sport? Please. There are, there are bigger soccer leagues than MLS in the United States. Just keep it to MLS. Why do we have to? Why does it have to be compared to all these ridiculous other leagues? Are they are they talking about uh, lacrosse? Are they talking about everything else? No. And now MLS is a major league. Okay. Yeah. Right. Says it in the name. to the NFL. Says oh, good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You can call yourself major league, but yeah, minor league. Listen. You're not major let me league. finish. Uh, it's one of the longest. It's the longest streak right now in mm -hmm. in all of North American sports for these major leagues. But it doesn't mean anything if you can't. Cap it off. You want to see comments? See that statement and then read the comments on it. If you can't cap off a Major League Soccer MLS Cup lifting a trophy, not a supporter's shield, an actual trophy, then it means nothing. I'm sorry. We are talking about the New York Red Bulls, so you know that's not going to happen. This is a club that historically does not lift trophies. Speaking of, it's let's go from winners to happen. losers. You never know. Oh, mm, not this time. Sorry. All right, let's get to the losers, Herc. Who is your loser from Decision Day 2023? You know, I didn't think of my loser until our good friend Brian Schmetzer brought our loser up. Check this out. Oh, I'm not so sure there's a lot of teams out there. Oh, and by the way, I almost forgot, Alex. I almost forgot that Portland's not in the playoffs. So there you go. There's another bright spot to my night. <laughs> ouch, ouch. This is Sounders TV full on, huh? Schmetzer's about that life. Listen, I feel for the I feel for the Portland Timbers. I really do. No, you don't. No, I do. I do. This is serious. I really feel for the Portland Timbers. Listen, Giovanni Savarese, I, I worked him in ESPN Deportes. He's a lovely individual. Um, you could say that the off-the-field turmoil and everything that went on the, like this season maybe would have been out of his hands and this was a lost season anyways right he leaves miles joseph comes in they go undefeated in like seven games with three games to go seb and i'm thinking wow the timbers are going to make it they've got in three games the galaxy completely decimated with injuries and off the field issues no dps okay in the game against them and they play and they drew three to three they couldn't beat the galaxy then it's Montreal and Losada and Montreal, who's one of the teams that just doesn't defend well and loses leads and, 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 and a team that just loses a lot of games. They get thumped by them, 4-1. to one. And in the last game of the season, with it still in their hands at home, in comes in Ben Olsen and the Houston Dynamo. And you're thinking, well, it's the Portland Timbers to lose here. They're at home in front of their people. They can do it. And they lose in a way that just makes you realize it was never going to be. Uh, it was painful to watch. It was painful to see this team not make it to the postseason for the second year in a row by one 
point. Hmm. And when you think about everything that happened this season, to come that close, and I'm talking about off-the-field issues, to come that close after a coaching change and to lose it by one point for the second straight yeah. season, not go to postseason, I feel for their fans, I feel for the players because that was a massive turnaround, but they had it the last three games of the season. Yeah. They had it the last game of the season. It was still in their hands. At one point in this game, even though they're losing, they're praying for Austin to beat San or to beat uh, San Jose to help them out. So you know, it, it's one of those that's going to go down as a, a very painful uh, way to to be out. Yep, uh, Houston certainly had something to play for. They were playing for home field advantage. Congratulations to uh, Ben Olson there. You picked your loser out of the West. Another loser out of the West. Kind of similar situation could have been Minnesota. Um, oh. You know, didn't put up much of a fight against Sporting Kansas City. Down two nothing in the first half hour of a must win game. Uh, is disappointing. I will also, though, go back to the Eastern Conference for my loser. And it's actually a team you mentioned there, Montreal. So, one, just in the game against Columbus, they have the lead. I mean, they took the lead seven minutes into this game and blew the lead. But that's not all her. In their last nine games, this Montreal team had one win. And as a DC United fan, this was deja vu all over again. Let me take you back to 2021 when the man who is right now in charge of Montreal was in charge of DC United, Hernan Lozada. Now, he plays a style of soccer that is definitely entertaining, sometimes attractive, but it wears teams down. His teams do not know at the end of the season how to get results. And you said they lose a lot of games. Herc, Montreal lost 17 games this year. That is Colorado, Toronto FC, inner Miami levels. Um, and yet somehow, because they do have some quality, they won 12 games. They were right there on the playoff line on the last day. But for me, they have to be the big loser. You have a lead on decision day when you need a win, and you win just one of your last nine games. I mean, you totally choke down the stretch. That's the definition of what happened to Montreal. That last image we saw, the players and some of the Ooh. staff watching that iPad, that's John mm-hmm. Tolkien's penalty kick. They're hoping yep. it doesn't go in because it means playoff glory for them. Uh, yeah, but I agree with you, and that's maybe something to be said about this playoff format and that a team like Montreal with so many losses still has aspirations to go into the next phase of a playoff. So, yeah, absolutely. There you go. So Montreal uh, out of postseason contention on the last day of the MLS campaign. Here's a look at your wild card matchups. Again, these games will be on Wednesday. In the Western Conference, we got San Jose against Sporting Kansas City for the right to take on St. Louis. And then in the Eastern Conference, we got the New York Red Bulls against Charlotte FC to take on your Supporter Shield winners, FC Cincinnati. Time to look a little bit into the future of Major League Soccer, Herc. Of course, you know, San Diego FC is set to be the newest oh, MLS the flow. expansion side. And now we have, on top of a name, <laughs> a crest. So why don't we do a drippin' or trippin' here, Herc? What do we think of the new San Diego FC crest? They paid somebody probably hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> to design this. When you could have came to your boy, I could have done some AI work and you know how they do AI? Wow. Come on, man. Somebody in your 40s, I wouldn't have thought. This is tripping, Seb. Like, you're telling me it's not tripping? Producer Beto says it's not. He loves it. Oh, we got a lot of San Diego boys in production. That's what's going on here. That's what's going on. We got people who want free gear. This is straight tripping. No, 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 no. The merch is nice. This logo's tripping. Yeah. The name is terrible. The logo's terrible. The story's terrible. They hired the LAFC CEO, so it's basically like they're opening up another restaurant down the highway. They hired, they hired the loyal president, by the way, so they look 10? like vultures uh, as well. I mean, is there is there Ooh. a team, and they haven't even kicked a ball yet, that's less likable than San Diego FC Hurt? I mean, it'd be, it would really be something if Landon Donovan went and turned around and, and worked with San Diego FC. Uh, like, I, somebody that, knows something. That, that would really be something and, and would not be mm-hmm. so loyal. Yeah. Well, I mean, we know Landon can pivot in a hurry. Remember, when, when U.S. failed to qualify for the 2018 World Cup, Landon was out there with a Mexico scarf. Oh, so to, to drop the loyal scarf for a San Diego FC low, scarf. Low blow. That's I mean. a low blow. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. 
How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Speaking of San Diego and the San Diego Loyal, whose kit I'm wearing, loyal to the soil, uh, they were playing Phoenix Rising over the weekend, looking to extend their existence. It's playoff time, so it's win or go home, and for San Diego Loyal, that meant something. Four minutes in, Ronaldo Damas makes it one nothing to the good guys. Joe Benny Corona with a good ball in. To who? To Ronaldo. Look at this sexy ball in. And then Ronaldo with a nice little finish. Look at that crowd there, man. All right, uh, 17th minute. Phoenix Rising attacking. We got a penalty here. Yeah, there's no need to put your hand on him. <sighs> Give your goalkeeper a chance to save this. Penalty kick, and guess what? Mm, setter step and all. <laughs> it goes in. Panos Armenakos making it 1-1 one one there. Ronaldo Damos would get another one to make it 2-1 San Diego. 42nd minute here. Dani Trejo makes it 2-2 for the visitors. Uh, listen, it's a great finish by Dani Trejo. I think he five holes him here. But if you're the goalkeeper here, stand your ground. Stay in your goal. Let your defender try to help you a bit. And look, he knows it. Great game. 2-2 two -two into the second half. Darius Fornella puts the visitors up 3-2. It, it's it's a great finish in the near post. I think there's a slight deflection here. And then things get very interesting. Time winding down. Why would you foul him, Seb? Why would you foul him? Somebody somewhere loves the loyal. They're trying to keep him alive. Dama steps up looking for his hat trick and some salvation. Yes, there's at least 30 more minutes of loyal soccer. Penaldo, am I right? <laughs> 119th minute. You want to talk about a heartbreaking way to go out. How about that? Fornella breaking San Diego hearts to make it 4-3. I mean, it was all San Diego the last 15, 20 minutes of the game, of the overtime, and then right there, one counterattack, one slip, and it's over. Mm, the images here are heartbreaking. I know you were watching this live. And as those minutes ticked off after that fourth goal for Phoenix Rising, and you could see a team literally disappearing into the ethos. Oh, that was brutal. More USL playoff action in the Eastern Conference. Detroit City, the eighth seed, beat the Shield-winning Pittsburgh Riverhounds. Yeah, they played a week ago. It was a 0-0 game. Nothing to play for. Very boring. And then boom. All right, Pittsburgh. All right, favorites unbeaten in the last nine. All right, the number one seed overall. You gone. Not the only upset over there in the Eastern Conference of USL. Birmingham Legion, the seven seed, taking on the Tampa Bay Rowdies and getting the job done. Yeah, this one's on me. Right, Tampa Bay, listen, the Rowdies got the history, but Birmingham, they surprised a few people. Do you remember the Open Cup? Like, we should have taken oh, notice. Yeah. We should have taken notice. We didn't, and uh, they knock out Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay at home being knocked out by Birmingham. To be clear, you should have taken notice. You're the one that did the USL brackets. And I got to tell you, your eastern side of the bracket, buddy, whoa, that is busted. What about the West? Maybe you did a little bit better anymore. in the West. Uh, Sacramento against New Mexico. You did pick Sacramento to advance, and you were right. Yeah, well, what do you want? I, I just pick winners. I pick champions. Big, Sacramento fat winners. Doing what they do. Listen, uh, massive underdogs, New Mexico. They made it a game. It's a ridiculous finish. Sacramento will go on. Good friend of the program, uh, Roro, involved there. All right, uh, and then elsewhere in the West, Orange County against El Paso, two versus seven. Orange County getting the job done. That's a nifty free kick. Goalkeeper, goalkeeper thinks he's going over the wall, goes his post. 
I am sorry to my Orange County friends. I plan on making a game. Keep advancing. Wow. Okay, so this is the game they invited you to, and you turned them down. Seb would never turn down an Producer invite. Producer Beth the Wint, I think. Okay. Oh, really? All right. Yeah. Somebody's taking advantage of the uh, freebies around here. Good to see. All right, so here we have the Eastern Conference bracket. Your semifinal set, Detroit City, the eighth seed, taking on Louisville City and Danny Cruz. Meanwhile, Charleston Battery. Boy, they put up a five spot against Indy 11, Fidel Barajas with a goal in that one. They're gonna play the Birmingham Legion. Uh, those games set for next weekend. Again, available on ESPN+. And then over in the Western Conference, we got Sacramento, San Antonio. That's the one versus four. And then Phoenix Rising, who beat San Diego. They advanced to play Orange County SC. National Women's Soccer League playoffs kicking off this past weekend with the quarterfinal round on Friday. Angel City at OL Reign in front of 12,000 plus at Lumen Field. Megan Rapinoe's last ever home game, no matter what. First half, Angel City looking to play spoilers as Sydney LaRue almost scores her. Yeah, deflected. She comes through sliding, can't quite get to it. Second half, OL Reign on the break. Jess Fishlock feeds Rapino over the bar. Yeah, comes on to Rapino's left. Not quite where she wanted it. Just high, a little above. Not exactly where she wanted to put it. Later in the second half, OL Reign pouring forward. Jess Fishlock the shot. Paige Nielsen saves it off the line. Fishlock with a, a cross coming in. She wants to cross that ball, takes a skip off the turf and off the post. And there it is, the follow. Nielsen, right spot, right time. 53rd minute. Rapino with some great defense, turns it into offense, and draws a great save from Ange Anderson. Yeah, it looks like Sarah Gordon wants to come out playing, gets stripped, and a good shot, better save. Finally, Herc, in the 87th minute, the home team breaks through. Veronica Latsko, the header. Yeah, dagger for Angel City FC. Just a good ball in the box. Like a keeper doesn't come out, it's a compromising position and a well-taken header. O.L. Reign advanced to the semifinal against San Diego. They are ready. What can we look forward to in your matchup against San Diego? Oh, it's going to be a good it's one. Gonna be, oh. It's going to be a good one. Uh, we're not going to give away the game plan, but uh, you know we don't like each other, so it's going to be yeah. a fun one. That one's going to be fun. Yeah. Right, so that was on Friday. On Sunday, we had an all-Eastern Conference quarterfinal. North Carolina Courage, Gotham FC. North Carolina with the early chance. Tess Bodie can't convert. Yeah, Bodie can't convert, but it's a good ball in. Just before the half. Delaney Sheehan. Herc, is this a toe poke? That's a toe poke. That is as nice of a toe poke as you'll ever see. It's a, a, little, a little wide the touch right there. She does what she can as a defender comes in, toe pokes it into the goal. 1-0 Gotham into the second half. North Carolina looking for the equalizer. Long ball for Tyler Lucy. She can't score at the near post. Yeah, Lucy's going to want this one back. Takes way too many touches to set the shot up. And a near post, great save. 86th minute, Gotham looking to close. Yasmeen Ryan, the shot save, Casey Murphy. <laughs> Murphy does really well because it's almost just above her with that right paw gets enough. Into second half stoppage time. Lynn Williams with the takeaway. She's going to find Ryan again, and this time, game. Yeah, Lynn Williams just does so well here. Steals the ball, sets it up, and it's over. So Gotham, they live to play another day. And more importantly, so does our good friend and colleague, Ali Krieger. Okay, today we got clean sheet. <laughs> All right, so there you have it. What dramatic scenes. Gotham over North Carolina Courage. OL Reign over Angel City. So it's Gotham against Portland on November 5th in one semifinal. And then OL Reign visiting San Diego Wave on the other semifinal. Also to be played on November 5th. For more on the NWSL, time to welcome... Into the show, our good friend Jeff Kasuf. You can find his work over at ESPN.com. You can also find his great work over at Equalizer Soccer as well. Jeff, let's start with this uh, Gotham, North Carolina game. By the way, the announced attendance at this game, less than 5,000. I don't know what you make of that, but I guess let's focus on Gotham FC here because they seem to be riding this Ali Krieger lemonade era farewell tour way. <laughs> oh, uh, just how far, Jeff? Can they ride it? Because I'll remind everybody, they came into the playoffs as the sixth seed. 
Yeah, look, I mean, they're into the semifinals, right? I think if they can play, if they can put forth a defensive plan like they did against North Carolina, which was by far the most possession-based team, the team in this league that wants to dictate play, yes, they were without Carolina, a huge blow. And ultimately, I think that was what cost them because they didn't have an outlet, the courage when they did get in trouble. But you look at this game and from from minute one, Gotham is on top of them. Yasmin Ryan, Lynn Williams, Mitch Purse, Esther Gonzalez, that front line pressing put North Carolina in trouble. They had no outlet. They had no answers. And if Gotham can defend like that front to back, I mean, the front line, and then you go back to Ali Krieger and Maitane in the back, uh, leading centrally. Um, this was a defensive masterclass. This is a North Carolina team that leads the league in passing accuracy, 81%. On the day, they were 71%. All season, their worst passing performances have been against Gotham, and it paid off again for the visitors in this in this first round game. Jeff, you got to help me out here. I I'm struggling to understand how Angel City score five goals with five different goal scorers against then the best team in the league in Portland. And against O.L. Reign, not a single shot on goal. Explain to me just what happened. Well, look, I do think there's an element of knockout soccer here, right? This is the rain. This is a team that's perennially in the playoffs, an Angel City team in its first playoff appearance. I don't think that explains everything. They have veteran players, Sid LaRue of starting up top. Sarah Gordon's been in a lot of these games. But you look at how this game played out, and the rain, ugly first half, really kill off a lot of that first 45 minutes. It's not very good looking. But then that second 45, I mean, they talked about this. You see our highlight package is, is basically all the second half, right? The rain come yep. out. Their high pressure looks a lot better. Um, you see Rapino and Fishlock, even on that goal, but if you rewind that a bit more, it's a Rapino throw-in she combines with Fishlock. And that's actually a recycled chance that, that starts with Fishlock and Rapino combining. Whether it's picking you know, Sarah Gordon's pocket as she tries to dribble out or just putting them under pressure as they try to play out. I think Angel City really felt that pressure in that second half as the rain bumped that line of confrontation up and, and ultimately couldn't handle it. That's ultimately what paid off. It was a relentless approach in that second half from the rain. Jeff, as we look at the schedule here, we got a little bit of a break. The semifinals aren't until November 5th. Of course, we're in the middle of an international break. That's why we saw the U.S. roster come out last week. 27 players, 25 of them in the NWSL. And at the time, 17 were still playoff active. I don't know what the number is now after the two eliminations, but it's still a big number. And that's just the U.S. team. I wonder what impact you think that'll have on the NWSL playoffs that, you know, what's left of it. And also if the league is thinking about you know, in the future, how they're going to deal with this, because this is a bad time of year to have everybody going off on an international <laughs> break. Yeah, yeah, to say the least. Yeah, this is a time-honored tradition in the NWSL. We get the playoffs, they stop, they start, and in the middle of them, we get an international break. So uh, it's it's a problem. It's something that uh, a lot of people have been sort of grinding their teeth about around the league, uh, some more publicly than others. I, I do think I, I have heard, I mean, look, we've talked about the schedule on this show. The schedule has been a problem. Uh, the league has been trying to address, they are trying to address it. We've, we've heard in some different ways. I have heard that they're trying to figure out how to deal with this international break in the coming years even as, as early as next year and, and whether that means the season needs to run a little bit later the cba restricts exactly how late that can be but yeah it, it's a problem and and we saw it last year i mean we had players who were a little bit beat up i think san diego we talked about last week how you know alex morgan and taylor corniak last year uh carrying some injuries they're on international duty in the middle of the playoffs they've got to come back and play a semifinal. so you know I, I think that this is a problem i think the league knows it's a problem like many of them it's a little bit past due to to address it but yeah i think you've got the carrying injuries you've got the workload on on players legs and then you've got the rest because it's essentially a three a three-week break for san diego and portland we don't really have enough historical data to say, well, that's always a problem or that's always an advantage. Last year it was split, but you know, it, it's a long layoff, especially if you're a team looking to ride some momentum as maybe a San Diego is. Always a problem. Stay hot. My recommendation. All right. <laughs> uh, breaking news out of the NWSL. Uh, actually, Casey, current hire new coach is Vlako Andonovsky, uh, new head coach and sporting director. What kind of manager are the current getting here, Jeff? Well, look, I think he said it himself. They're getting a, a very good club manager, right? And I, I think a lot of fans, like the NWSL has taken off recently and, and a lot of new fans probably know him best as the coach of the U.S. national team. And, and obviously that did not end so well in that round of 16 exit a couple months ago. But, you know, you rewind before that, FC Kansas City, two titles, two NWSL championships. I mean, his work in this league is what got him that U.S. job. And he talked about this with me just this week. He talked about this again today in his introductory press conference. The, the club game 
game suits him better. I, I think he knows that. It's a day-to-day -day environment where he's developing players, training players. In the national team environment, he maybe had one full day of training at times in these short international windows. And, you know, I think that that played a role in, in how things played out with the national team. So he goes back to Kansas City. He's lived there throughout. He's lived there for his FC Kansas City days. He stayed based there during his national team days. So there is sort of a hometown pride. And, you know, I think that in many ways, it's an obvious match. I think many of us probably wonder why it's took so long to confirm it. But, you know, I think the game has changed. So we've got to see how has, how have his tactics evolved. And, and that was a question at the national team level. It'll be a question, I think, with some scrutiny and some spotlight now that he returns to a league that, that is very different from the one he left four years ago. Jeff, what about his replacement with the U.S. women's national team? We know it'll be Twyla Kilgore, the interim in charge for these games coming up against Columbia. Any update on a, on a timetable or potentially some candidates uh, and when we might find out who's in charge? of the U.S. women? Yeah, timetable we've been told would be hopefully, I think is the, the general term that's been used by the Federation. Hopefully late November, there's an international window to end this year, late November into early December with the U.S. playing China. The idea, the goal is that those will be the first games for that coach. Uh, we heard from Becky Sauerbrunn, who's really been the longtime captain of this U.S. team today, and, and she spoke about being involved in the process. She said she doesn't know names. You know, maybe she doesn't want to tell us names, but certainly been involved in the process and, and indicated that we're getting toward final stages, talked about knowing that candidates were flown in for interviews and, and whittling down that list. Uh, look, we know it's almost November, so we know that list is coming. I followed up with a, a spokesperson from the Federation today who just offered that the prog there, there's progress being made, is, is what I was told. So that seems like we're still on track for a, a coach before that November, December window. And, uh, you know, I'm interested to see as well, because I think this is a, a very different process than we've seen before. Certainly the one that brought us Flacco Nanofsky, where there was a general manager in place. We don't have that now. Now it's new sporting director Matt Crocker really running the process through and through. And, and we're told very much replicating the process on the men's side that essentially led to the rehire of Greg Berhalter. So interested to see what this brings uh, on the women's side. All right, there he is, Jeff Kasuf. You can read his work at ESPN.com. You can also find it over at Equalizer Soccer as well. Jeff, as always, great to have you with us here on Football Americas. Always good to be here. Thanks, guys. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, her big weekend down in Liga MX wins Rayados, Tigres, Chivas. But you know we're focusing on Club America because they beat your beloved Santos 4-3 in an incredible game at the Estadio Azteca, Alejandro Sendejas with the game winner. How do you like them apples, her? With a stunner. I mean, uses the defenders, his own players, there's a little bit of screen. Acevedo can't get to it. It's a golazo to win the game. So the Aguilas then first place uh, in Liga MX. But the question is, what comes next? Because as has been pointed out many times on this show, the schedule to start the season for America was kind of light, and the schedule at the back end is very difficult. Here's what's left in the next four. Rayados, San Luis, who's having a great season. Cholos, 
Uh, and then they end the campaign with Tigres. So if you got three of the top six in there, uh, Tigres second, Cholos uh, ninth. That's kind of the range of who they have left to play. Hurt. Of those four teams, who do you think is most likely to snap America's unbeaten streak, which right now sits at an impressive 12 games? Well, the first one up, Monterrey. That sounds like a good Ooh. one to start with. Listen, man, that was a great game by both teams. That's probably the best game of the season for my money. Was it a great game? It was an entertaining game. Would you think America comes out of that saying we played well? Well, I think you play well and the resolve to win that game. Absolutely. Not, okay. Not, okay. You, you, can't, you can't say as a coach, our structure was bad. This is why we gave up said goals. You could say, Malagón, you ate that one. You could say, yep. Fidalgo, how can you give that ball away right there? Like, those are individual errors. Mm -hmm. That's not a team breakdown. That's somebody else breaking you down. You look at Santos' goals, I mean, golazos. There's a lot of golazos in this game just in general. Uh, but I will start with Monterrey. Monterrey's got a, uh, a necessity um, to prove themselves for points. They've got a high-powered offense that's kind of asleep at the moment. They've got a lot of players, playmakers in all types of different positions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but let me just, in case that doesn't happen, Cruz America's going to play four games, okay, in 14 days. They've got three games on the road. Monterrey, mm -hmm. Rayados, very, very difficult place to play, okay? They go then to San Luis, who's having a hell of a season. Gonna be a difficult place to play. Cholos at home, and Cholos is the best defensive team in the league. And you know, there's gonna be a revenge factor for Miguel Herrera wanting to play well against Club America. And then, guess who they close against? That's right, Papa. Your boys. Tigres. In El Belcan, okay, Tigres right now is one of, I think, two teams that are, remain undefeated at home, okay? They are playing, I wouldn't even say well, but they're playing and they're winning. They know exactly mm -hmm. what they need to do, and the last game of the season could very well be for El Liderato, for see who's top of the table. Hmm. I think it'll happen sooner than later. My question to you is, in case it doesn't happen, okay? Right now, mm. they're at 30 points. Club America is yes. at 30 points. Let's say they run the table and they win four games. That's 42 Ooh. points. Comes up short of the, just the, 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 the record, which is 43 by Rayados versus Dichos Rayados, I believe. But anyways, it would surpass the 38 points that Tan Ortiz put up in one season and the 38 points that Solari put up, Santiago mm. Solari, in one season. If they do that, is Jarine a better coach than both Tan Ortiz and Santiago Solari? No. If he wants to prove he's a better coach, he's going to have to win Liga Mekis. Bottom line. I'm not, I'm not going to take one season here. And by the way, I'm not convinced of Jardine. He's, he's talking about, oh, we could have scored seven in this game. They could have. Why don't you worry? They could have. Okay. Why don't, why don't you worry about the defense? This is a problem for America. I saw today Sebastian Cáceres is linked to Tottenham Hotspur. That's the number one team in the Premier League. There is nobody playing for America, certainly not in a defensive capacity right now, who should be linked to anybody in the Premier League let alone the team that's sitting atop the table. There are major serious concerns here for America. That game away to Tigres scares me, but the game against Rayados does as well. Especially with the goalie situation, I'm getting major Oscar Jimenez vibes here from Luis Malagón, basically just a guy who's not good enough to fill the shoes of the guys that they've had. Just we always talk about Memo, but we can look back at Marchesin as well. For a long time, America has just had, if not the best goalie in the league, yes. damn close to it. Yes. And... And now they have a serious disadvantage between the pipes. I, I, I think the streak will definitely get broken here. And I actually think America right now, they're five points clear of second place. I could even see them hurt finishing the season not atop the table, which I think would be some bit of a failure from where they are right now. You got with four games, a five-point cushion. <laughs> but with this schedule and the way they're playing defensively, I don't know that I'd bet on him to finish top of the table. Yeah, I think one and two right now are pretty set in stone with America and Tigres. I, I think it would Rayados take. Rayados have a couple games in hand though, so they could make up some ground. Well, that's that's a problem right there, and that's where I want to get back to 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 uh, Club America. So you're gonna have four games in 14 days, right? Mm -hmm. Then the season ends. Okay. Mm -hmm. Guess what comes? The last game is November 11th against Tigres. Guess what comes on the 14th, three days later? What's that? The CONCACAF Nations League quarterfinal, Mexico versus Honduras. Do you know how many national team players Cuba America mm. has? Mm. I seriously can see something derailing the schedule. America's 
championship hopes this season. Julian Quinones is going to play absolutely in that Honduras quarterfinal matchup. He's going to play. Like, that's the one player I'm thinking is going to be lined up and he's going to play. And he's one of the prime players for Club America. That's a lot of games in a short span. That's about five games in 17 days for Julian Quinones, for Ramon Juarez if he makes it, for Malagón, for Sendejas if he ends up on the U.S. roster, whatever, Henry Martin, who's rivaling Santi Jimenez right now, et cetera, et cetera, who happened to be the nine for Jimmy Lozano, the Gold Cup. So that's a... It's a tough ask. We mentioned a lot of names. One name we haven't mentioned yet is Diego Valdez. And his absence, uh, his injury for America moving forward, uh, that's a big one. That's a very, very big one. Richard it's a guy who I was not too. always... I was not always convinced of, but uh, I think Diego Valdez has proved oh, at least you over know, the last couple of seasons. Know Santos when he is... first got to America, I thought, here we go, another 10 that's not well, getting it done. Maybe I was, maybe I was impatient, but second. he certainly turned that you, around. You know, you know where the well is for Club America. That is Santos. Tried and proven, so he's going to do well. Okay, steady. How come you never ended up at America, huh? Well, I wanted to win championships. I didn't go for the money. Uh, oh, please, please. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. Coming up on Thursday, we will have Ali Krieger join the show. We will also have somebody we mentioned in this edition of Football Americas, Fidel Barajas, a young dual national who is lighting it up right now for the Charleston Battery uh, in USL. They are obviously advancing in the USL playoffs, so we will talk to him as well as Ali Krieger on Thursday. For her, I'm Seb. Thanks for watching. We'll see you in 72 hours. Del Piero! Love you, loyal.